0: Okay, what we talked about tonight is is um, Christ Restored Fatherhood, looking at, um, at four things um, to, to work on. Five things, actually, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, and that was take your kids to church. That's, that's a, a key way to introduce them to Christ. Apologise to your children. Listen well to them so that you can know them. Um, don't take yourself too seriously as a dad, you know, God's in control, you're not, he's big, you're small. And the last one was a reflection on lessons learned, um, having lost my own dad um, when I was 13 and um, recognising that um, there's, there's more to fatherhood than biology and recognising that God's a father to the fatherless and he provides many, many fathers in, into, our, into our lives.
1: Welcome to the Faithful Dads Podcast. A conversation between three new dads thinking through how we can do a faithful job of parenting these little people God has entrusted to us. I um I talked to you about yeah, I have. You know the guy that lives around the corner from me, his name's Aaron. Um I've done walks with him and stuff before. I just got a text from him and he's I've I've talked to him about faithful dads and said, should I should I have a listen and he's he's into listening to podcasts and different things and um anyway he listened to it for the first time today. And um, he said, yeah, let listen to Faithful Dads' episode. He's like, caught some of the Faithful Dads podcast today. Not in my wheelhouse, but you guys have good chemistry. I think this should be a hit. Keep at it.
2: Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. he said, You just need to find someone that is in their wheelhouse.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> he said "He said to me, you're, you're the serious old man of the trio, though.
0: G'day, boys. G'day, G'day rog. rog. How's it going?
1: Good. Yeah, great. Good.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> Thanks for having me.
3: You're welcome. Thanks for coming.
0: Do you do this every Thursday night?
3: Every Thursday, fortnight. Okay. Yeah, when we forget that we're doing it fortnightly, we do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. So did I mess you up last week by cancelling? No, no, you didn't. You didn't mess us up, Roger. Anyway, all good, Rog. That's good. So, Rog, if you could introduce yourself. Yep. That'd be great.
0: Yep. Well, I'm Roger.
1: Um, and then, sorry, and then I've got a question for you afterwards.
0: yep okay, so I'm Roger I'm married to Carolyn. I've got four adult or four two adult children and two almost adult children um, pastor of the church and um, nice.
1: And my question is to you would you rather one hundred dollars of your money would you rather lo- lose that or eat it and get it back? later
0: i'd definitely lose it mate. yeah, yeah. you wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't yeah, need like, it well that's definitely the answer of a 50 year old man i think i mean i'd say yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely lose it mate <laughs> what if it was two fifty-dollar dollars isn't that worse I'd, I'd 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 lose it man i'd and i'd just I'd, I'd lose it and then i'd just hope i'd forgotten about it real quick you know, you've got to forget about your losses real
3: quick. Has anyone
2: ever answered that they'd go and fish it back out, Chris?
1: Jared did. That was like his immediate answer. Yeah, no, nah, not me. Uh, what about nah. you, Chris? I'm pretty sure. I'm, I think my answer was I, I, I would be it. Yeah, I'm a frugal person that is tight-fisted with his money, in a sense, um, and to lose $100 if I have to eat it and get it back later. If that's doable, then that's what I'm going to do. Be uncomfortable for a couple of days maybe.
2: There's so many questions. Like, who's making you do this? You have the money already and someone's forcing you to either eat it and poop it or just take it off you. This is the weirdest mugging I've ever heard in my life. Is this what the
0: Christian schools teach? Hey, look, what happens at school stays at school, man. So what do you want me to do, guys? Do you want to just, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in your hands. Yeah, nice. Um, I'm just pulling up some... No, Notes I'd written down. That's all. Well, because
1: because this is a podcast called Faithful Dads, and our our sort of point is to get together every week or every fortnight and chat about being dads and how can we be better at you know become more faithful dads because you know the sort of premise is we're not we're not faithful dads and we'll probably never be faithful dads, but that's what we're working towards trying to be more faithful yes. in our in our father. And being a being a dad and being a husband as well, and so to that end, are you a faithful dad? If if yes, if not, why why is that? Tell us. Yeah, yeah. Also, I mean, on that, we've. I mean, I've been dad the longest out of the three of us for two and a bit years. You, Roger, have been a dad for uh, 20, twenty, nearly twenty-two years. So, like, many many more years than us, and and everyone knows that when you have more experience, well, when you have more years of something, you've got more experience and more stuff to talk about, and we would love to be able to um, learn a thing or two for us from you on how to be a faithful dad through this time that
0: we're in at the moment. Yeah. um, No, that's fantastic, guys. I love what you're doing, and um, I think, um, yeah, like I'm much more comfortable, you know, preaching a passage of scripture and just talking about that, as it were, but so I don't feel necessarily like uh, you know. You ask me am I a faithful dad? Well, I'm a I'm a Christ restored dad. That's how I think of myself. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Christ restored. Well, I think of of um, any any faithfulness that I have is only on account of Christ and His mercy and kindness in my life. Like, you know, I'm a broken unit um, in and of myself. And that brokenness touches every relationship and every part of my life. And um, and it's only by God's grace through Christ's restoring and, you know, mending work that that I can, um, you know, have a fresh crack. I was reading Titus this morning and I just love that phrase which says that God has saved us by the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And I think the two, it's the double cure. It's what Augustus Top Laddie in his song Rock of Ages calls the double cure. It's that the cleansing of our stain on the inside because of our wanton rebellion against Christ. I mean, that's all the guilt and the shame of the things that we've done and said and desired and thought and not done and not said um, in all our relationships. I mean, you know, the reality is I didn't even deserve to have a crack at fatherhood you know, only on account of the fact that, you know, I, I, just the stuff that I've thought and done and whatnot. Um, but Christ has washed that clean with that washing of rebirth. And you think to yourself, well, geez, that would be great, you know, what a great deal that is. But then he gives us more. He actually gives us the renewal of the Holy Spirit, which I just think I just think, it's magnificent. Not only have we had our hearts washed, we've actually had them renewed. And so that's what I mean by Christ restored dad. You know, I think and I'm a dad who is so heavily needing God's mercy in my life and, um, and yeah, grateful for the, the new heart that Christ gives. Mm. Um, it's the double cure. You know, be for sin, may his blood be for sin, the double cure, cleanse me from its guilt and its power. That's that beautiful song, Rock of Ages, the double cure. Not just the guilt of our sin, but the power of our sin to, mm. to, to, to bind us in slavery to more sin. But God's given us a new heart. It took me years as a Christian to realize the the second part of that blessing of of, of new birth. I, I only really ever focused on, even as a preacher early on, I was only ever focused on the you know the cleansing, and, and still I kind of default there, but there's the renewing work which is so vital. Yeah. Um so that's one of my first things I say as as a, as a faithful dad is the most a Christ restored dad is 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 the first thing you have got to do is point your kids to Christ and because they need restoring. Um they're just like me and I'm just like them. We're all broken units on the inside and and there's just multiple ways you can point your kids to Christ. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll give you three. Yeah, love, love, <laughs> my Next question: How do you, how do you do that? Yeah, well, well, <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just nuts. give you give you three up front. I mean, the first is, you know, take him to church. Like I was talking to the kids over dinner, and I said, "Look, I got to do this thing for the boys." I said, "What, what um, do you think? What is my great? What, what's my what? Name one strength that I have as a dad and one weakness." And um, and He's brave. Yeah, well, I mean, I thought. <laughs> You know, they, they were good about it. Um, <laughs> they made it easy on me. But um, the thing was Toby came out and just said, you know, look, the best thing you've done as a dad is taken us to church. Yeah, brother. right. Um, and it, wasn't, said,
1: it wasn't to get you to do a TikTok with your girls?
0: Oh, uh, well, uh, that didn't even write a mention. Uh, I was a bit disappointed about that. But, Roger, um,
1: that's one of the best things
0: I've ever seen. <laughs> dad said. Well, well, it didn't. Didn't sort of start like that, mate. It wasn't my intention. I just was doing them a favor. That it does night, everyone a favor. Just, they just were begging yeah. me to do it. And, uh, so, yeah. I did note, though, the football player Nathan Cleary, who has been basically made a goose of himself by breaching the social distancing rules, um, put the NRL's restarting threat under jeopardy. He was doing TikTok dances, and would you believe it was the same one I was doing? No way, I, yeah. I did a lot better than they did though, but, um, <laughs> but anyway, I bet you probably didn't have as much practice, but yeah. So, the first thing is take your kids to church now, yes, that takes them to Christ, but it also takes them to other people who can be mm. father figures in their life. And it was interesting because Toby actually said, You know, dad, the, the best thing you've done, mate, is you haven't, you haven't, well, dad, he didn't call me mate. He said, Dad, the best thing you've done <laughs> is you haven't, you haven't expected me to come to you about absolutely everything in my life through the teenage years, especially the later ones. He said, "He said, oh, you know, I've said, I've got a few dads in my life. And by that he means people like, you know, I mean, he mentioned actually Jared, um, you know. Oh. You know, hey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, because he's had, a, you know, he had that influence there in those early, you know, late, you know, mid-teen years for Toby and the other boys. Yeah. But it was, it was really good. And so taking them to church it's it's not just what they hear it's who they meet
1: i've got to say um in one of our earlier episodes we talk about um church and how church sort of uh changed for us with our fatherhood mm. and whatnot and if i if i remember correctly, there was some mention of i think steve steve talked about how church has been really great for his kids one, one mm-hmm. of his sermons or something like that and i yeah. think we i think that was around the same time of that conversation and so um.
0: Yeah, I feel like we're on the right track. Well, look boys, it's it's so important and and I tell you, you know, there's plenty of times when you feel like you don't want to go and and or it's too hard, and especially in those early years, mm. but you know, they're always watching and they're always taking this And it's so that's the first thing and I mean, the second thing is apologize to your kids. Mm. You know, that's the best way you can point point one of the great ways you can point it to Christ is actually show them that you need Christ as well and it's not easy to apologize to your kids when you get it wrong but i've got it wrong plenty of times Mm. and um you know i mean we i don't know how controversial this is but you know we use we've used um you know in our discipline we've used different methods when the kids and one of the methods was just an open hand smack yeah um you know like that was just well, I mean, I figured I figured I'd got enough of them as a kid, so I thought I'd <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd take the opportunity <laughs> anyway. But no, uh, that's 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 not that's not exactly. On the that, family
2: yeah. tradition. <laughs> <laughs> on the family
0: tradition. I'll tell you guys,
1: my father my great grandfather. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but I did pass but, it on to your kids. But I did. I I did uh, have a very good mother who um who really ensured that you know, if ever a boundary was breached, there'd be a, um, you know, a consequence. And so, you know, that was one of the things. And there was a couple of times when I disciplined in anger, you know, and it was a, it was a, it was a, I mean, look, anger was never that far from the surface, if I'm true. If I'm truly, to be honest. Mm. But there was a few times where it broke through and, uh, yeah, they were, you know, they were very not great moments as a father. And, um, you know, and I've had to apologise for those things. And uh,
1: Hey, can I, can I ask a question?
0: Yeah,
1: I've always thought with smacking that if I was going to smack my kids, it would be on the bottom because that's not where, where I got yeah, smacked. Yeah, yeah. But having uh, open now, the end
2: of the face, <laughs> it's the only way. Answer my question, thanks, Josh. Done.
1: <laughs> Sorry, um, Chris. All good. Um, I, yeah, I always presumed it would be on the bottom, but when you've got it, <clears> when you've got it. A child who's wearing a nappy all the time like it just i don't think it's a viable option so we have we've ended up we were we were we were flicking the ear at one point oh really yep, yep.
2: Um um feels like dog training
1: i like a dog sometimes come here sit down don't do that pick that up stay don't in the laundry yeah pretty much um, but we've now we've we stopped that, and now we now we've moved. Ended up starting up just a smack smack on the hand.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, just Roger, I was asking where where is the
0: where was your open handed smack? Um, it would it would it would be on the bottom or the or the leg, like yes, just no. the top of the leg, just underneath um. there. Um, I mean, I look, it's so, it's so long ago now. Honestly, I can barely remember too much, too much. It sounds strange, but it's just like it was a season that, and, and it yeah. wasn't the only tool in the toolbox. Yeah, of course. Uh, and, and I mean, and look, some of the kids, I won't mention who, but some of the kids needed more of it than others. Um, but yeah, like, mm. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this much. Heidi never got a smack because Heidi never, never crossed the boundary. She just yeah. was you know, hesitant Heidi we call her. She she basically stayed in the middle of the paddock the whole time. And you can kind of see even today her, her personality is sort of and it's interesting how she's I think, you know, you're gonna cross the boundary somewhere, somehow. You've got to find where that boundary is as a yeah. as a person, as a human being. Yeah. And, and and some kids charge at the boundary from day one. And they're constantly on the fence from day one and they're the ones who get a you know, get get the consequences in a concentrated season, that was me as a kid. And then I sort of worked out where the boundary fence was and I knew what paddock I was meant to walk in and run around in. And it was, it was all good after that, but other kids, they're sort of much more, they'll take ages years to get to the boundary fence and explore the, the survey pegs. And they'll find that, you know, they've got challenges in other ways, uh, relationships and things that, and they're, they're, they're living with consequences you know, in, in late teens and early adults and and anyway, I mean I'm not a soci I'm not a psychologist in this area, but it it's just my observation of my own kids. But mm. yeah. So yeah, Christ yeah, go on. Number three. Yeah, well I mean so the first one was, you know, taking them to church and modelling that. The second is apologizing to them. And I mean I think I mean I I, I might give can I have four? <laughs> You're pushing think, the friendship, right, Yeah, right. So the, 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 I'll give you the third one, which is, you know, kind of like a, they're both serious. But the third one I think is um, I, I think, you know, put it this way, I don't know whether to say you've got to know your kids well or or just come out with it and say you've got to listen to them. I mean, I think, I think listening to children, you know, is so important. And I'm not just talking about sitting down at the end of the day with every kid and having some quality time thing, I think that's a load of rubbish. Um, like who, who decides what time is quality? Quality times, you, we don't determine what quality time is. It's just put upon us. It's the moment now. That's the quality time is the moment. Have you ever heard of that phrase? That was a big phrase when I was a you – know, people talked about, you. have got to have quality time with your kids. Oh,
1: uh, I mean, I've, yeah, I've heard, heard about yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, you might
0: have had it. Bunch of podcasts on it and said how great it was, but anyway, I, I hope I I can just.
1: Nah, we'll just cut yeah, it out if.
0: Just we'll cut it out. out, out, out <laughs> but what, what I mean is, you know, I, I do mean just listening to the children and trying to know them, know them. That's how you help them because each child will come to Christ, you know, through their own sense of need, and and sometimes that it's always the fundamental need is the same: the forgiveness of our sins and that renewal of the Holy Spirit. But it's interesting how, you know, there'll be doorways that each, each of your children, you know, find into that fundamental need and they'll be different mm. depending on the child. And, and, I mean, you know, knowing your kids, knowing mm. how different they are, knowing their strengths and weaknesses, um, and you can only know them in one way and that is by just, you know, listening to their, Voice and what, what they need. Yeah, and um, so that's that's something that I think is really important. And listening to the kids is, is it's it's often on their terms. So in other words, it's when oh, they yeah, need okay. to. You know, we can. That's what I think is most important. And um, and 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 as they get older, you realise that listening to the kids, it'll happen when you're helping them with something. Like you're helping your kids all the time, and I. I'm sure you guys are doing that, but you're helping them in very physical ways at the moment. And um, yeah, like getting up to them at night and all that stuff. At um, hey, Rog.
1: Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but through, through all the years, um, you've just talked about spending time with your kids like on their terms.
0: Mm.
1: I've, I mean, the very limited time that I've had, I've been a dad, spending time with my kids on their terms means that I then am not doing stuff that I want to be doing or, or need, need to be doing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and it's easier for me to be spending time with them once I've got all my stuff done.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I realise that's not the, the right way to be doing it and, I, you know, you've hit the nail on the head about spending time with them on their terms. But how did you sort of – or how have you dealt with that? Yeah. Dealt well, with I'm... that, Like not, you know, putting aside the things that you – all those things you need to get done.
0: Yeah, well, well I'm still the record, dealing with it. The record. Yeah, um, I'm still dealing with it, mate. I'm still dealing with it in many ways, and I think I've made some progress, you know, recently, <laughs> in the last couple of years on that. And yeah. and that is I mean, one of the little things I do. And I, I I checked this. It was interesting. The kids, one of the children said to me around the dinner table. One of the things you do, Dad, is you always you always listen, and you always help me when I need the help. And and I thought, mm-hmm. well, that's that's a. I really was grateful for that because I'm very deliberate about that. And and I and that was yeah it was a joy to hear that feedback because what I tend to do is I you know I'm not I'm not the most I mean I'm proactive at night or in the dinner table I get the Bible out we always pray and it's it's always messy and always something coming up and something it's that's been a really a joyful thing about COVID we're all back around the table you know because all these you know these little jobs that they've had they've all dried up. Um, but I've got to, I've got to say I've been to your house once for dinner a long, yeah. a long time ago, and
1: that that happened the whole mm. getting out the Bible. Yeah, I one time, and that's really stuck out to me, and that's something that I've always had in my head. And Jen mentioned it tonight at the dinner table, I actually said, "Oh, maybe now, blah 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 blah, we could start." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I can start doing that sort of thing." And, and mm. yeah, having that experience that we've had around your dinner table, Rog, was really um, important. I think in helping shape my mentality about that all those years ago yeah
0: sorry we haven't had jade more recently brother i'll um, have to rectify that <laughs> but um we, we, I, th- I mean i look some blokes do it at, at breakfast i think that's when phil bear does it I mean, maybe he does it at dinner too um he gets on to something phil but you know like i i think you just got to be consistent and you got mm. you got to do it and it mightn't. Yeah. you never want to make it think it's got to be perfect and and i've you know i've labored over it and half the time they never listen to you you know they seriously don't like they just but they're, they're watching just, they're watching and they know you're going to do it yeah. that's all you have to worry about and they, they'll never forget that that's what that did and um yeah and even you know half the time Carolyn doesn't listen to me i mean <laughs> but but she because she's a busy woman you know but that's we listen all right. to you rog. well that's right I mean that's that's encouraging but um I mean that feeds into the the last thing I want to say about being a Christ restored dad but there was another part to this this listening and that's you know chris Chris's question was how do you how do you put your own needs and your own projects aside there's only one way to do it and that is to decide to do it Mm. And just to let the rest and let God trust, trust God to take care of whatever it is that's, you know, pressing upon you. And, um, I mean, I learned this in a funny sort of way from my former boss at Lithgow, Anglican Church, Bill. He was a, you know, very, very good leader. And um, he was quite a few years older than me. He's one of the father figures in my life, um, which I'll come to in a minute if I haven't run out of time. But, one of the things I learned is that every time someone knocked on the door or came into the office or visited him in his home, he always said, oh, I'll put the kettle on. It didn't matter what was going on. Like at one stage we were in a terrible crisis up there with some, you know, false teaching in the church and it was pretty hard for Bill. He was getting a pretty hard time. And and he would have had a hundred excuses not to, hmm. not to stop. And to keep pressing on, but he always stopped. He always said, "Let's put the kettle on." And he gave that person, he's absolute hundred percent attention. Mm. And and uh, I learned from that. I thought, well, I'm going to model. I'm going to take that on, and I learned from that guy. And I thought, well, that's what I've got to do with my kids. Put the kettle on for them. That's exactly I, get, I got it. Right. You know, you just got to say, "I'm, I'm," you know, like it's dad. Can you fix the chain on the bike? Because mm. I want to go for a ride. Oh, really? Right now? Like serious? You know, wait till Friday. That's my day off. I'll do it then. They don't want to go for a ride on Friday. They want to go now. Mm. And so you go out there now and you fix the change. And this is the thing. Half the things I ask you to do, they only take five minutes, you know. And they they love you and they think you're the best thing in the world Mm. because you met their need right there. And at that time they needed it. Mm. And, And that's so, so vital. You know, help me, help me with my... I've got this assignment, Dad, for food technology. You know, it's a flyer on on Australian cuisine. I'm like, what do I know about Australian cuisine and food technology? Nothing. But I just sit down with her and we spend 10 minutes looking at the task and then we map it out and she walks away and don't see her again for a couple of days. And, and like... <laughs> But they love you for <laughs> it. You know, they love you for it. Like, it's just amazing how how yeah. simple it is. And it's so, mm. But, yeah, it's not easy because if you think you're a hero running around saving the world with, with all that important work you're doing, then your kids are going to just stay away. Mm. And they work it out after a while that, oh, Dad's saving the world somewhere. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I'm just mm-hmm. walking around the house.
1: I'm I definitely like fighting that. Yeah tricky at the moment, I think, finding that I've got all these things that I need to do and just sort of in the midst of that, of, of trying to get better at at that. So that's a really good reminder. Thanks, Rog.
0: So, you know, this is where, I mean, I'm, I, I didn't have little kids around me trying to work from home. I mean, I reckon that's an <laughs> extraordinary challenge. Seriously, because I've got all these kids here, like they're at a stage now where they, they only come to me when they need me for something. Like,
1: <laughs> and I mean? <laughs> Money.
0: And I, yeah. I actually like it when they come in the room. You know, gone are the days when they mm. they, they wouldn't leave you. Like, <laughs> they just, they just, those days are gone. I sort of long for them sometimes. Mm, yeah. But I look at these young, these modern fathers trying to work from home with kids around their feet. My goodness. Like, you got to stop. You mm. can't meet every need. You, but you've got to basically find a way to kind of hide yourself so that you know, because once you're in their presence, it's it's really hard, isn't
1: it? But you know awkward. you know what I found really helpful in that space is having a a, a wonderful wife who yeah.
0: Yeah, who is un-
1: understanding and is happy to do the job of looking after the kids during the day and understand that even though I'm here at home yeah. she's I'm still at work. So needs she needs to be occupying the kids and yeah. she's yeah, done a really great job of that
0: yeah that's no, well that's incredible i mean what a blessing yeah mm-hmm. i mean I, I was going to talk about how important it is to love their mother but toby said look they've already talked about that dad so they know that. <laughs> so i just thought i oh, will leave that one hey roger can i ask you another
1: question just around all that stuff that you've just shared
0: yeah. um i
1: remember toby when he was like in later primary school and i know toby much better now and the contrast between the two Tobys is quite stark, I would say.
0: Mm.
1: I would oh, yeah. say that I, my impatience found Toby really difficult to deal with when he was in primary school. Um, but I, my opinion is that he's turned into the young man that he is because of the father that he had, as well as the mother and the upbringing and all of that. Now the father's in his life, but um, that's what I think. So what happened? Well, I mean, you know,
2: yeah well board in school was it
0: it's 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 a miracle, it's a miracle um miracle. all right cool well, yeah, but I mean, like it is the it's like yeah I think it's sort of that's a good question, I think it sort of actually sums everything up in a way like it it, it it's a it's a case study, I suppose you what I'm talking about, but like you know i could i I learned pretty early that Toby was one of those personalities that that you know um. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit like me in one sense. I mean, my own childhood was a, was a real blessing at this point, a gift, because I could see that Tobes was quite a bit like me. And I, I had a pretty hard early teenagers, mid-teenagers time, not just because my dad died, but, but because, you know, I wanted to win everything. I wanted to be first in everything. I, I just had this sort of personality type that wanted to be in the centre of everything. Always with the smart Alec comment, you know. Always, yeah, wanting to win, and yeah, like it's it, God did amazing work on me. Are you pointing to someone?
1: Oh, yeah, pointing to Josh. Oh, right, okay,
0: um, and, and so
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's saying and, I'm a smart Alec.
0: Yeah, right, and and so I could see see a fair bit of me in Toby, and and that kind of really was. I just knew he was in for a a a bit of a rough ride through teenage years like there was a lot good and he's had a lot of joys and don't get me wrong he's he's had a wonderful childhood, but he has rubbed people up the wrong way, just like i did and um you know so i think uh so that was that helped me pray into toby's life you know i've written i wrote prayer cards for Toby. You know, in 2014, I started these prayer cards things and, and I look back on that prayer card of Toby's and, and there were prayers around humility and, and around, you know, self-awareness. So the other thing about Toby's, he's a bit like his grandfather too, not my dad, but his mum's dad and, and you know, you know, Carolyn's dad, you know, that, that sort of idea of, yeah, that, that kind of personality type. So I won't go into the details, but, I mean, it, it was just a. It was important that I understood Toby and and knew him, and prayed into his weaknesses and asked the Lord to have mercy. But the second thing that happened with Toby was that he just had these other father figures in his life, and, you know Jared and others, mm. the Darren Bailey's, You know Darren does a great work, just sitting out there, mm. Junior Vine, and you know he's just one of the one of the guys that people look up to, and there's and there's others too. Um, Mm. And then I think for Toby, the big change happened you know, through his year 13, actually. Mm. I think last year he ran into another guy, Michael Williamson, down there, and, and, and he had a really big impact on Toby because, you know, he was sort of a, of an age where he, he was able to stand up to Toby and really challenge some of Toby's sort of mm. preconceived you know, ideas or whatever. Yeah, and, and challenge his decisions even and really push hard to, to help Toby see what, What's the difference between a wise decision and an unwise decision in this particular relationship or this particular circumstance? And you know, I think character really forged in Toby through a combination of the Word of God, um, a community, and this this mentor guy in his life. And uh, you know, I'll be forever grateful for your third, and I think it had an enormous impact on Toby. Like it, it would have you know mixed impacts on all kinds of kids, and some you know, they may not need it as much, but he really needed it and he made the most of it. So Yeah, well praise praise the Lord for that. And I feel mm. I feel
1: very blessed to be reaping the fruit of that in the sense of having him in our home group and mm. what a mm. what a valuable member he yeah, no. is. And and yeah.
0: So praise the Lord for all that. Yeah no I, I, I love it. It's great to watch it. But look the last thing I'll say about that this is the final point. All right I've got the four points. Christ was manhood. Yeah, you know, the fifth point, Roger? No, 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 it's church. No, no, I've only got four, mate. Church. The second point is say sorry. The third point is the listening point, you know, the idea of listening and knowing them, knowing them really, and to know them you've got to listen to them. And the last one is don't take yourself too seriously. Mm. Like I think this is really important. And um, I think I was talking to my brother, Kent, who um, I kind of look up to him. He, he's only 18 months older than me. But in a strange sort of way, he was a bit of a father figure to me. He, he never would see himself in that life, but he was just my older brother, and my dad died, and he was just the, the guy who was making the decisions. Yeah. And um, and he was so much more competent around the farm than I was, still is. Um, but he said to me the other day, he said, you know, one of the things I've had to, one of the things I love about being a dad, is, being the um the, the butt of my kids' jokes.
3: <laughs> and
0: and yeah. and I mean that's that's an that's quite profound. You know mm. Mm. And, and, and it's a really interesting point. There's this sort of fine line between um, you know being kind of the butt of their 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 humor and jokes at the right time when they get to that mm. stage and being disrespected by them mm. and i I think the key is to be somewhere at that line. <laughs> like mm. it sounds a bit odd, but if you if you take yourself too seriously, you'll never ever even allow the kids to get anywhere near that line. And, and I think that's a, that's a lost opportunity because I think part of, this is, I think what Ecclesiastes is kind of going to be teaching us is that none of us is actually the most important person in, in our kids' lives. You know, like that, that role is not for anyone under the sun. You know, it's actually for someone above the sun and that's God. And, and, and whatever we, we, we do. You know, we have to be able to laugh at ourselves and, and even be willing to have our kids laugh at us from time to time and and not, not, not feel threatened by that, you know, or somehow. I mean, there is a disrespect, and, and I, I think my kids, you know, I've often thought a bit about this. My mum reckons I need to, you know, I, she, she kind of thinks that it's a bit too much. Yeah, sometimes, and maybe there are times, and I've had to, I've had to pull them up, and um, and they do know that they know it. They know when enough's enough. Um, but you know, having a laugh with your kids and and being able to laugh at yourself and and let them laugh at you from time to time in a in a non disrespectful way, I think it's just, I think it's so important because it just it just brings joy into the house. And you you are the you are, you are, the key. Person, in terms of the mood of the house, like if dad's, if dad's you know, trying to be a hero and he's taking everything so seriously and he's you know got the weight of the world on his shoulders and he can't have a laugh, and well, you know, it's going to impact on the house, and um, mum's not going to be able to counter that no matter how happy she is. But, but if you're you know, I mean, okay, we've all got burdens, no doubt, but if you can lay them at the door, come in and and be able to know that God's got a big picture in his hands. Mm. I mean, Ecclesiastes, what's it telling us, you know, really? We're just blokes running around in circles. And then we're going to cark it and no-one's going to remember (laughs) it. And, I mean, that's really, really helpful, isn't it? Because here I am, before I read Ecclesiastes, I thought I was a great big hero, you know, saving the church from COVID and the world and doing something special and important. (laughs) So, and then. (laughs) We all need to hear that, don't we? From time to time, whatever we're doing, it's it's actually it's nothing compared to what God's doing. Um, so anyway, that's that's all I got, mate. On that, uh, yeah, boss, that's excellent.
3: If I can add to that, I um, I think I I've been in a really blessed position um, since coming to the church, Rod. Uh, the the relationship we had. For, for me coming into the church as a as a new Christian and, and meeting with you on that weekly basis to go through the Bible and really learn how to read it and what to look for
0: um, mm.
3: for me it was phenomenal and has done me you know untold amounts of you know benefits in in the way that um, that's helped me to lead my family and um, you know coming from a place of not having a christian family like that's for me roger you've you've filled a you know another father figure in my life um and so for me getting to see and having been so involved with toby in his later years of teenage or in his later teenage years getting to see both the care that you've uh poured out on me as I entered into the church, but also the the love and care that you've poured out on Toby and the benefit that that's been to him, I think is is really cool for me to be able to look back and see the man that Toby is now because of who his dad is.
0: Mm. Yeah. No, thanks, mate. I appreciate that. Oh, that's right. So encouraging to hear. Um, yeah, it's a journey, I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> but it's just, so, yeah. So, Rog.
1: Yeah. Um, I also thought it would be cool to hear your point of view on someone who yeah, grew up without their biological father, mm. as in, you know, he died when you were a, a teenager, so you did have him for the earlier times in your life. But um, lots of people grow up with dads in many different sort of capacities, mm. and I feel like um, at least for me and, you know, the conversations that we've had, our fathers have had different impacts on our lives. and. Um, impacting the sort of fathers that we are turning out to be. Mm. So um, I, would be, I would love to be able to hear what impact not having a father had on you becoming a father mm. or becoming the father that you are now.
0: Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, well, I mean, you know, starting back at the start, I think my dad's death, that's one of the things that really pushed me to Christ. And that's, you know, thinking about the Christ restored fathering, well, because you know it made me realize that death was a big issue. Um it, it basically crashed through the front door of our house and just tore us to pieces. Um it's it's a horrible, horrible thing, death. Mm. And and to have someone like your father torn out of your life like that, it just um you know, it's the trauma that that yeah. that it you know the impact. Yeah. So, you know, like death. It's so kind of familiar at one level, but at another level it should never be, you know, kind of accepted as, you know, just an everyday thing. It's a terrible thing. So, but you know, the reality was I knew that there was a big problem in the world real quick. I had a first hand experience of that. I mean, some people can go through life, honestly, and I mean it's beautiful. I love it. I'm happy for them, but they can they mightn't lose a loved one close to them until they're fifty mm. or even later in life. Like, it's just incredible. Like, some people, their, their grandparents are still alive, their parents are still alive, all their peer, all their siblings are still alive, their kids are alive. Everyone they really hold dear is mm. still alive. And, uh, but I was, you know, confronted with the reality of death, you know, as a 13-year-old boy. And so I knew that there was a big problem in the world, and I had to find, a, the, the, you know, I had to find an answer. And that's what threw me to Christ. Mm. I'd heard about Christ from from childhood, but, and the resurrection of Jesus suddenly took on a new meaning. Mm. But just just to cl- just to clarify, at thirteen, when your father passed away, you weren't a Christian. Uh, I was. I was in the community of faith. I was going to church every week. Dad did that for me. He uh, mm. and Mum. Well, she was the driver, really, but but Dad was always there. But he 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 was quiet. Me and my dad. Um, mm. Bit like me, um, no, and um, and um, but yeah. So I was, but I was much more interested in staying home watching the footy. If i had a choice, I would have stayed and watched the footy on TV. I was yep. in love with Christ at that point, but yeah, it was two years later that that I that I met the Lord Jesus personally and, and surrendered to Him and received the forgiveness of my sins. You know, which were multiple by then.
1: And you were saying the big the. Uh big part of that was the reality of death in the world.
0: Without Mm -hmm. doubt. Like just, I just had to, yeah, you just can't, you can't be bruised that bad and not look for some sort of balm, you know,
1: in your
0: heart. So how
1: how did you, how do you, it almost seems contradictory to be a 13-year-old boy, have your father taken away from you, have that trauma, like I don't know, like a lot of people would blame God or yeah, or yeah. or you know turn away from God and say, why would you do this? You know, that yeah. that sort of that sort of line of thought. But it sounds like you went the opposite way and yeah that almost seems um, contradictory or yeah. does
0: doesn't make sense or whatever. Look, it's a great point, Chris, and I totally respect people who who go the the other way, in a sense, I mean, I don't blame them, and I've I've seen folks do that, but yeah, for me, it was it was quite quite different. I mean, I've seen it happen as a pastor. You know, like we had this couple in Lithgow, terrible situation. They they lost one of their children to a cot death, and they mm. were they weren't really they weren't Christian, but at, at that time, but that threw them to God. You know, mm. it pushed them towards God because they they their, their logic was quite sound, I thought, and that is you know, like there's got to be more to this life. Because you know, Mm -hmm. my nine month old baby has just died. I mean, if that's if this life is all there is, it's a miserable life we got. Mm. And that sort of made them think about more to the life. And that's when Mm. they're through to to God. But you know, for me I think it was this one of the little things that I probably didn't mention and that was that I knew Dad was a Christian and the funerals around the resurrection hope of Mm. my father being in heaven. And I think probably what drew me early on was I just wanted to see my dad again, and I thought, well, you know, yeah. I want to, I need to, I need to find a way of seeing dad again, and that's probably what was part of that kind of journey to Christ. Yeah, you know, but but you know, strange it seems. I mean, these days I I. I, it's so long ago guys you know it's just mm. unbelievable. believe it's like another lifetime i look at photos of my dad and i wonder who is that man mm. like it, you know you'd hardly believe it but yeah. you know you talk about ecclesiastes in one generation not known by the other well i can mm. confirm it i never think about my dad he was a great bloke but i had i'd go for whole days weeks and not even think yeah. about him and he's only you know 37 years ago he died mm-hmm. you know like it, it's amazing how True, that, that that book is Ecclesiastes, one generation mm. to the next. Mm. But but anyway, the, the thing that I suppose I learned from it was, in terms of the most important thing, I think I learned was that fatherhood is not just biological. Mm. You've already flagged that, I think, Chris. Mm. That that's it's not just biological because you know one guy deliberately he was working in Lake Angelico, which is about you know hundred ks up the road, and he was part of the church there and and uh, he knew that my dad had died. I mean he knew after we had sort of a combined church sort of situation between Lake and Hillston, and we all kind of knew each other and he'd come over from once a month to hilston the church and and but he knew you know he obviously knew Dad died, and he knew that there was you know four boys in that family. I had three brothers, that was the second, you know fourteen, thirteen, twelve, and six. And and he, he moved his family to Hillston to live and, and he could he he was an electrician, he could work anywhere. And one of the reasons he did that was to was to sort of spend time with us boys, which I thought was a beautiful thing. And and he was an elder in the church and, and he had a massive influence on my life. Um and then and then there's been numerous men, um, some of whom aren't even Christian, who have just who have just you know I've you know, learnt from them and taken an interest in them and really Yeah. yeah. And and that's that's I think God actually working through those men, fathering me. You know, God has never let me down in that regard. And so knowing, are you saying but, sorry go on. No, that's it. Yeah.
1: Does God then work through people who aren't Christians?
0: Because you well, said some of those, yeah, yeah, some of those yeah. father figures aren't Christians, and then you've just said God works yeah. through those. Yeah, definitely, absolutely, yeah. all the time. I think, you know, you see it in the scriptures, you know, like even in last week's chapter, in, in chapter 28, you know, like the islanders there in Malta, God works through those guys. You know, they showed unusual hospi- unusual kindness and publius, you know, generous hospitality. There's no evidence that the guy was a Christian, um, and yet they really did care for Paul, and God, God's working through them all the time. and so. Yeah, I think that's probably the most, that's probably the biggest thing that I've realised, and that's how has that impacted my fathering? Well, it's impacted it this way, that, you know, I've never felt that I'd be the only person influencing my kids, you know, like I've always had this expansive view of, you know, the influences in in the life of my children and and welcomed it and not felt threatened by it at all. Like the fact that Toby would only share something with Jared is a joy to me, you know it's not a not a not a burden at all because i think why would i think that having had the benefit of multiple fathers you know that that, that's not going to be the experience of my own kids whether it's fathers or mothers you know as it were but you know fatherhood's way more than biology it's it's a it's a relationship that we can have with each other's children
1: Um, i think that's a that's a Mm. i like that that's like a motto or like a yeah you know
2: Fatherhood mm. is more than more than biological.
0: Mm. Yeah, I like that. Mm. All I, the stepdads out there. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. I see some I wonderful know. examples of that, you know. You love it. And uh, and the Sunday school teachers. What great mm. sort of mm. unbiological fathers those folks are. And mm. youth leaders, youth leaders. You know, like investing over time mm. in people's lives, not just you know, there one minute go on the next. Can I throw a curveball
1: question at you, Rog?
0: Yeah, sure.
1: About, instead of being a curveball, how about like a wrong and ball at you, or a leg break ball at you, or an in swinger ball at you? Or yeah, something? and a kind of swing ball a question at you,
3: um, a banana kick at you. Um, I, kick I don't know about you. the rest of you guys, but for me, like as a young kid, I had this image of my dad as Superman. Like he was invincible. He was the strongest man on the, on the planet. He was the smartest man on the planet. Like, just had this idealistic view of my dad. And um, I, don't, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but for me, um, like I can look back and there's a couple of times that really broke that illusion. So like the first time that I outran my dad, was this real, like, strange moment for me that he wasn't able to keep up with me anymore. And then uh, there was a, a time at my 18th birthday party where he, he really hurt himself and basically was confined to a bed for weeks because of the damage he did to his spine. And just these little moments that just really shattered this illusion that my dad was invincible. Uh, I suppose my question is, like, for you growing up, with that reality of death um and the the fact that we aren't invincible like has that shaped your the way that you you pictured you would father um and parent because i think for me like i think those moments really shaped the fact that i and you know especially since becoming a christian that i can't be the the one who's invincible to my kids
0: look let me tell it yeah i think they're definitely definitely and just remind me of a story and it's a little bit sort of a, a bit of a tangential way of answering that question but this is one of the things that I think I learned most about my my dad's death and it was through my mum and her vulnerability so in that same light I used to think my mum was like this machine you know who just did everything when you wanted it and how you wanted it and I never realised she was a human being. It seemed to sound odd, didn't it? But until I saw her crying on the lounge when I'd come home from school every day for, you know, it might have been a period of a month, you know, weeping over dad's death and probably sitting there wondering how it's going to, what's going to happen. You know, there she was on a farm with four boys. She didn't know the first thing about farming. But God provided a father who happened to be my uncle as well. And he, you know, that was, that's another story, but but you see, what had happened was I learned empathy, you know, through the vulnerability of my mum. And when when that moment happened, I realized that you know my mum wasn't invincible. And no human being is. And so I think, you know, that's a kind of and that that's that empathy was that's been a real at times a problem to me. It was a problem to me. At one stage in my life, where I felt I had to kind of fix everyone's problems, and I someone I went to a psychologist once who said, "You know, you're like an auto bin, Rog. You just open the lid, and everyone fills all their stuff into your into you, and you just feel like you got to deal with it all." So I had to learn how to find, you know, a place of a good middle you know, ground. Um, yeah, good middle ground there. Yeah, but but the the lesson has never left me, and that is empathy. Now. I'm not saying I'm always empathetic to everyone. I mean, there's times when I, but you know, that's and I think that's another thing that has shaped the way I I, I parent. I think, and that, you know, yeah. again, we're we're all we're all needy. Our kids are needy, and they're always going to be needy. I love this little bookie. It's called Side by Side by Ed Welch. It's um, gee, it's a ripper of a book, but let me read you the first sentence. It's very short, but it just says, life is hard. That's the first chapter, life is hard. Yeah. And says this, life is too hard to manage single-handedly. That's why we are needy. Life is good. Life is also good, but it is hard. There is never a day when we have immunity from difficult circumstances. And I reckon that's just such a powerful, and what, what I've got to do as a dad, is try to prepare my kids for a world that's hard and for a life that's hard. And having, you know, my dad dying, yeah, it's it's a tragedy and I've already explained how traumatic it was. Mm. But by golly, that's life, friends. You know, life is hard and things just don't work out the way we think they're going to. And, um, Mm. you know, God... Is our helper, and so preparing my kids to face a life that is hard, I think, is one of the ways my dad's death shaped me as a father. Um, now, I don't know if I've done that that well or not. I mean, you know, it, you try to help them avoid the the victim the victim sort of culture that we. The air we breathe is so victim. Everyone's a victim. Mm. It's suffocating stuff. Mm. You know, everyone's entitled. We're all a victim. And, you know, it, it comes through the education system, something shocking. You know, my girls. I mean, not, I mean the government education system. I'm <laughs> sure the Christian education system is way better. But, you know, my oh, girls man. bring all this stuff home. Toby used to bring it home from school. And, and we just had to filter it. Yeah, and just filter all this—it's—it's it's neo-Marxist nonsense, stuff. of it. I mean, it's just basically the slicing and dicing of humanity into into victims and oppressors. Yeah, you know? and and anyway, don't get me started. It's been great, guys. It's fantastic. You know, it'd be great to have your kids listening to this one day when they're twenty. That'd
1: like, be
2: very interesting. That's actually one of my nightmares. <laughs>
0: Anyway, I'm going to go, guys. Is that
1: yep. all right? Yeah. Nice. Thanks, Rog. That's all i got, guys. See you oh, later. You you are the first non family member to be mm-hmm. part of Faithful Dads. Wow, I feel on it. Yeah. Yeah. Although, if he was like an extra father figure to
3: me, does that, does that. It kind of work? Yeah. Thank you so See much. You guys. Yeah, Bye. Thanks, Rog. Bye. Really appreciate it. Bye. What a well, our first good guest. guy. Can we have him on again? I'm him.
2: <laughs> we. We should just do next week when none of us are on and it's just Roger.
1: Doing what?
2: I don't know. Can just be his <laughs> podcast
1: now.
2: <laughs> do you Did like? Me? Sometimes I listen to a podcast and they have like a guest on, and I'm like, "Dang, that guest is better than all of the presenters."
3: <laughs> Dang it. I... <laughs> And you, you feel like now that you've named it, I know that's what gonna, is going to happen. Like there's going to be fan art. our one Filipino listener is going to cross out faithful dads and just write Roger. Roger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes.
3: Yeah. Oh dear. All
2: right. See you guys. See oh you. Mate, see you.
1: Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Faithful Dads. Hit up our Instagram or Facebook at the Faithful Dads podcast to let us know what you thought about our conversation. We would genuinely love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this podcast, it'd be really great if you could share this with someone that you know or someone that you think might enjoy it. And lastly, it'd be really great if you could leave a rating and review in your podcast app so that others have a better chance of finding it. Thanks so much again for listening and we'll see you next episode. We
0: are three
1: dads who are doing a podcast. We are three dads who are trying to be faithful, yeah. What's Josh doing? Is
0: he, he's
1: just always oh, connecting, isn't he? Just, just taking his time. It's coming. <laughs> oh, it's coming. Do so you talk it personally? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I
2: mean, obviously, Jerry would never have to worry about this. He's eternally mature. <sighs> well, it's from your throat. Yeah. Alchohol.
0: Anyway, I mean I'm not a soci I'm not a- half the time they never listen to you. You know, half the time Cowan doesn't listen to. me. Actually, one of the things I I appreciate. Um <laughs> oh, hey, Toby, well, I'm in bed. Yeah. yeah, so you'll you'll take out any stupid things I've said and Yeah, no, Chris is pretty good. Yeah.
2: How long is an episode? Well you'd be belly flopped onto the soil it'll hurt a lot more you at lunch and I was like, Oh yeah, I'll have lunch with you. And then she served up the weirdest dried chicken. I think it was like maybe a couple day old barbecue chicken with hot chips. Couple couple bits of straight potato.
3: This is trash. Never give me nearly
2: <laughs> A very busy man.
3: Yeah, apparently.
2: He's the boss. He couldn't be a lady, he's the boss. But it's good to know, Joe, that Chris thinks your head doesn't look that bad. (laughs) It's not great, but it's not—it's not that bad, Chris. This is my regular head. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
3: turning around. How? How? Yeah, everything is going
1: well. Yeah, really. I'm. Yeah, good. Uh, (laughs) Got a got a wart to cut off. I might do that instead. So how's
2: isolation going, Jared? <laughs> oh yes, also, isolation. The Rona.
3: Don't say things about my mum. I'll fight you.
2: Wouldn't this be better? Because <laughs> we're all in it together. This should be our secret signal. If you're a faithful dad, you do that. We know it's you. <laughs> do the Chris. Do the Chris. <laughs> How do you do a thumbs down emoji? <laughs> Why are my hands black? I'm unsure what a virus would do with $100. But when Chris puts it back here, hey,
3: Welcome to the jungle! Hey, Mon, my name is Chris Mon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm stuck here. And Margo's here. And um, hell. <laughs> it was
0: heckin' cute. Oh, no!